I was wondering how you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I mean, what better way? <laughs> what Flexing do you think? your tiny trophy? What it, it's not tiny. That's like... It's not big. <sighs> well, you could fit a golf pencil. Maybe two golf pencils inside. I could easily fit five golf pencils inside. How proud do you of feel trip. of yourself? I mean... Of your team. At first, I was embarrassed. <laughs> but then I I just was overwhelmed with joy. I mean, this little tiny plastic trophy is just, it's the most beautiful thing I've seen all week. As the team that finished in the fastest amount of time, I'm a little bummed I didn't get it. The fastest amount of time, you know, that was never specified at the front end. I think you allowed some assumptions. I, I assumed. So just to get you caught up, Courtney's a little bitter. Always. We had <laughs> <laughs> about something. We had a little friendly uh, Odyssey competition at our staff meeting mm -hmm. this morning, and there was a series of challenges that we were all timed to complete. And I think probably in at least two of the four challenges, your team finished them the fastest, yeah. and my team finished them the slowest. However, and, and, and cumulatively, Courtney's team had the lowest time total. So adding all the seconds together, I think, well, you were like in the four, yeah. 400 something, yeah. and we were getting pretty close to 700 well over seconds. seconds. Well, okay, well over 600. It's another way to, to put that. Thanks. Um, but lo and behold, the very end, uh, the benevolent Keith was excited to remind us that it was actually the team that takes the longest uh -huh. that gets this little fancy trophy. Um, you did look disheartened, though. I was a little confused. Mm -hmm. um, I love winning. I'm like pretty competitive into my bones. But at the end of the day, I'm happy that you won. It's like a good reminder to me that the joy of the experience is more valuable than the like temporary high of winning something i'm and for my part i'm i'm glad that you're just so willingly accepting of defeat like that's yeah that's admirable yeah i'm not someone who's gonna like fight to the very end to feel like i did i'm not you know if, if i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight to reverse a ruling <laughs> I, I just am not that person i'll accept yeah. it and put my head down and then you know keep mm -hmm. having fun but I'd give I'd give my victory speech a B plus. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> we won on a platform of confusion and disorganization. It was pretty good. I mean, I was it was very it was very articulate in that moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I was uh, I was pretty proud. But I will say, I think I laughed harder during that series of competitions than I've laughed so far this year. Seriously. And I think your description of Jonte's <laughs> domination of Skittle moving was oh beyond impressive uh, <laughs> i literally now i i was like crying laughing in the moment but essentially we had this paper plate we had two paper plates and on one paper plate was 10 skittles 
and we were given a like little plastic straw. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to use the suction of sucking up the straw to move the Skittle from one plate to the next. And I was so confident in my abilities. I like practiced it a couple times and I was like, you guys, it's going to be so easy. And lo and behold, we start and someone on my team, Jante, who's an amazing uh, like front office staff worker at Odyssey, she helps us run uh, as smoothly as possible. She like went into turbo drive <laughs> and was like, <laughs> like sucking the Skittles up so fast. And I don't know what came over me, but I just couldn't stop laughing. And when I was laughing, I couldn't suck up the straw and the Skittles. I literally could not handle how funny it was. And for my team's part, I, 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 I was pretty proud of my own uh, Skittle moving talents. Uh-huh. But I, I finished early, so I started helping my teammates. Uh-huh. But I was putting, I was taking the skills from their completed plate <laughs> and putting it in their set plate. And they all had to stop like, no, it's the wrong plate. Oh, my. So, uh. It was so fun. It we was a good fun. time. We it had was a good fun. time. It's a, that, that's the bottom line is we had fun. Yeah. And we. And some of us got little trophies and Starbucks gift cards. And some of us didn't. Oh, I wasn't even going to bring up the Starbucks gift cards, uh-huh. but that is another, you know, shine in my apple mm-hmm. that I that I have Added over to your here. Boy Scout badge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Merit badge. <laughs> well, all games aside, you are here with us. We're happy you're here. This is, of course, the Odyssey of Learning podcast. I'm Hunter, and I'm Courtney, and we're taking a different beat today with our podcast. We're we're shifting gears a little bit, kind of getting into more of a reflective zone. Um, and you know, Courtney and I were talking before we got together for this podcast. We're like, what, what are we going to ask? What's, what's the question? How are we going to drive this conversation forward? And I think the question, Courtney, you came up with was a really great one. And it's, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? What are you working on? What are you working on? What is going on? Fill me in. Very, uh, open-minded, uh, mentality that I think is going to kick things off. And I, I'm going to ask you first, because you gave me a rundown of everything going on. I, w- I want to hear the details. I want to know everything. So what are you doing right now? What is driving you in your work here at Odyssey? Wow. What a heavy <laughs> question. Um, I mean, I, I love the start of a new year because I am a really reflective person. I've like always been someone who keeps a journal and keeps a notebook, reflects on my day, reflects on my week. Um, because I'm really driven by improvement and progress. And what's been driving me lately at Odyssey is like doing things better, but doing fewer of the things. And that's kind of a theme across my whole life right now is trying to do less better. Um, Because in the past, I have really allowed myself to live in a space of like, go, 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 do, 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 optimize, optimize, optimize. And I find that that sometimes leads to loose ends and unfulfilled promises and incomplete tasks or like not my best work, procrastination, last minute. And... um, I'm really driven by this idea that by slowing down and doing fewer things, I can do those things with much more heart and much more empathy and much more um, energy and effort. And one thing that's kind of, you know, continues to be on my mind as an educator is this idea of like optimizing feedback loops for kids. 
because so many of our scholars are like really reliant on us to let them know what we're observing in their work and their progress. And I find that if I'm assessing everything so fast all the time, that I can sometimes lose the human connection, the human observation element of assessment. So it's just, I mean, I guess like a brief overview of what I'm working on is trying to do fewer things, but do them better, do them more thoughtfully, do them more thoroughly. Nice. How about you? What are you doing? Um, my focus recently has been on continuing to support scholars on a more interpersonal level. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is for the longest time, I used my abilities to develop a rapport with kids and to develop positive relationships. I've used that to essentially befriend and to kind of get to know kids and then understand who they are and where they come from. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that kind of level of discovery, I haven't really taken advantage of that. There's a different phrase I'm trying to think of here to use. I haven't channeled that into academic progress and mm -hmm. academic success. And we know just from research that knowing a lot of the obstacles and things that your scholars might be facing at home or in their personal lives elsewhere, that knowing that it sets you up better as an educator to address their specific needs mm -hmm. and understanding them, being able to help them in the way that they need. But I just wasn't, I just feel that I, I haven't successfully been really making that jump to taking that knowledge and that relationship and then really channeling it into success in the classroom. And I remember, I mean, I've gotten feedback on that of my performance for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. uh, even Keith, when he was evaluating me at um, our old school um, in San Diego, uh, that, that was kind of the same feedback that he had back then. I think I've made more advancement in that I'm a lot more aware of the of the impact of these relationships and how they can affect their work, but I still just haven't really taken advantage it, advantage of it the way that I would have liked to uh, up until this point. So um, I've come up with some strategies and some things that um, so far I think have been paying off mm -hmm. and I'm pretty excited about, but do you want to go back to yours and give some specifics? Should I jump in? Yeah, well, I want to, I just want to comment on what you're working on. Yeah, please. Um, I... I find that we work in a school that's built on this integration, right? This whole student education that looks at not only the academic needs of a young person, but also the socio-emotional needs. And it is so much easier said than done to truly integrate that into your practice is like playing Tetris at like full speed <laughs> on a broken Razor phone yes. <laughs> from the early 2000s. Wow, you're really throwing it's it back. So you might have lost some of our audience. I know with that one. it's so hard, and I we oftentimes give this impression, I think, especially on our podcast and in conversations with others, that we've mastered that. <sighs> that that is like that integration of the whole student education is something that we have down here in our classrooms at Odyssey, and. I think it's important to reflect on the fact that like we don't yeah and maybe we never can but it's like all we can do is strive to be better than we were the day before the week before the month before the year before and that is something 
I think it's so interesting how it ties into what I'm working on, you know, and this idea of really giving comprehensive feedback to our young people. And that feedback is like far beyond their academic performance on one large assignment. You know, it's like giving them feedback on the way that they engage with and collaborate with their peers in class. It's giving them feedback on the way that they engage and collaborate with us as advisors or out like on campus or out at their internships. And that is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And if you're focusing on like optimizing your time and doing the best you can and you have a caseload of 80 kids, which isn't even that many, mm -hmm. it's really hard. Yeah, and it's funny that as a musician, I was kind of raised with this notion that perfection is an ideal. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you should always be striving for. Mm -hmm. With any musical performance, there's always something that as a musician, you're going to listen to yourself and think, mm, I'm, not, I'm not playing that as well as I think I could. Um, I can make this subtle change and and suddenly I'm going to create a whole new sound or a whole new rhythm that's going to impact the piece as a whole. And understanding then the nuance of music and how a musician is always trying to, you know, attain that ideal mm -hmm. sound, um, I, I think about that and I transition that into my my thoughts and my beliefs as a role as an educator in that... I think I do some things pretty well, but as I'm going through the process, I'm realizing like, oh, I think that I can do something a little different here. And I think I might be able to come up with a different result. I might be able to better support kids if I make this slight shift in my practices. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the process that you're talking about, the idea that no, we don't have this settled. There's and no we, roadmap. And we might never have this perfected, I think is really an important thing to think about as an educator when you step back from your practice and realizing that, you know, hey, maybe maybe you have been doing something for years and years on end that has worked, but really evaluating the extent of something's working or a, a thinking about teaching to the whole kit mm -hmm. and understanding that need for differentiation from time to time, um, what is going to work for some is not going to work for others. I think that's a really important step in this process that you're that you're pointing out and I, I just connect to it from another unique perspective totally yeah I keep coming back to a phrase I heard um, in a yoga class actually a couple of, of weeks back um, the idea of being content but not complacent mm. and it's kind of been like a mantra or motto I've been like circling in my head as I think about different facets of my life and my role as an educator it's like how can you be content with yourself and your practice and appreciate all the effort you put in every day, even on our worst days, you know, it's like something good happened. How can we appreciate that and be content with that, but yet not let that contentment fall into a complacent, unmoving, unitterative space. Totally. That's like the biggest challenge. Yeah. Because for both of us, and I think so many educators, our identities, are so interconnected with our work, who we are as helpers, who we are as supporters and collaborators. And it's difficult when you see yourself as not optimizing your role to not feel less than or terrible or 
like a failure. Yeah. So that, I guess, is something I'm also working on. <laughs> it's like, how can I appreciate the strides I've made, the progress I've made? And yet, like you're saying, strive to try new things and change the rhythm, change the beat, and see what happens to the whole experience. I like that little quip you brought in. Um, be content, but don't be complacent. Yeah. And I definitely see that at times in my practice, I have gotten complacent. Me too. It's easy. It's natural. I know. So what are you doing that's new uh, in your practice that has uh, so far served to address the areas you feel that you've needed to improve on in your practice? Yeah, I um, resolved this year um, in 2020 to be more curious with the scholars. And I'm very curious. I've like always been very curious. But sometimes I feel like I'm asking questions off like a checklist in my mind of what I think would be a good question. And that changes my communication from something that's like really genuine to something that I know would work. And that is complacent, right? Mm -hmm. It like all circles back. And so one of my resolutions has been to be more like active and present in my curiosity. And I'm finding that it's allowing me to really get to know where kids are at across the span of their like life. Mm -hmm. So across the different facets of their life at home. Um, I've started just asking more curious questions of my scholars in my advisory, like what'd you do over the weekend and really caring about what they say and asking follow-up questions and, you know, what did you do when you got home last night? What'd you eat? Which homework did you work on? You know, and taking these questions that we normally would kind of ask and move on from and be like, oh, yep, check. I like asked them about their weekend and really investing myself in the answer. And I'm, it's like subtle. It's super subtle. Um, and it's not something I can do with every kid every day. But I'm just finding that I'm in my heightened curiosity. I'm connecting with them more deeply. And I'm learning more about what's happening in their lives that could impact what they bring to class that day. I think hearing you talk about it, I, it's, I feel like it's an unenviable unenviable task um because that takes a lot of effort it's a lot of energy to do it so you know you're because if i'm hearing you correctly it's not like you're taking 15 20 minutes aside and then just like exclusively asking these questions of people what but in fact it's more of a passive interaction yeah exactly that when when you just when you happen to be with a particular scholar and you've got a couple minutes you just ask that quick question, shows your investment, shows your intrigue into what's going on in their life, and then you use that to continue to build out these conversations and these relationships you have with kids. And I think, too, it stems from this idea that, like, in the past, and especially as an educator, we're, like, constantly crunched for time. <laughs> this goes back to our, like, quality over quantity conversation. My goodness, yes. Um, and it can be really natural and easy to suddenly think, I don't have time to ask the kids about their weekends. I have a whole class to teach. I have a whole, you know, whatever. I have announcements to give. I have lunch to eat. I've got, I need to talk to, I have a meeting, da, da, da. And it's a really subtle shift. Like you're saying, it's not like I'm taking 30 minutes out of a class, but it's like when I'm down talking to a kid, like sitting with them at their table or kneeling beside their, whatever, like sitting, standing at the door, they walk in. It's like just caring a little bit more. Yeah. And I'm finding that it's awesome. Good. Yeah. Happy to hear that. That's one thing. Yeah. How about you? What are you? What's one thing you're working on? Well, like implementing. Something I've never been all that great at doing are is what we refer to on campus as 
these one-on-one check-ins mm. during advisory. Which is actually pulling someone aside for 10, 15 minutes and talking to them. Right, exactly. One-on-one. I, I'm, I've always been fairly comfortable with the relationships that I have, as I was alluding to earlier, that I've never, I never have felt the urgency or the need to have these one-on-one conversations. Because I would think to myself, like, All right, but do I really need to pull someone aside for 10 or 15 minutes and like kind of drill them with questions about what's going on at, in your life, what's going on academically, and then kind of weaving in some sort of plan to address those things. I felt that I was getting enough from just kind of our whole circle discussion and then maybe conversations we would have in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kept hearing about it, and I, I finally kind of just put up a minute, and I said to myself, um, let's just give it a shot, because everyone keeps talking about it, and now I feel like I'm the only one that's not doing it, so I might be missing out on something here. Let's, let's, see, what, let's see what happens. And so for the past week, um, I have been getting to roughly four or five uh, scholars per advisory, this is down 10 or 15 minutes and they immediately they're like what's happening because I've never done this before so I find myself having to explain why which I think is beneficial for them because if they hear me their advisor and an adult saying "Um, I'm taking feedback from my colleagues and I'm making a change to my practice to better serve you guys Mm -hmm. my hope is that they hear that and they realize oh like he's he's making changes he's He's learning he's being open-minded he's learning um, and so I explained that, but then I opened up every conversation the same exact way. I just asked them, what is one good thing going on in your life right now? I love now? that question. It's one, of the, it's one of the best questions. It's uplifting. It's low risk. High and, gratitude. Yeah, exactly. And just in that question alone, I've learned so much about the scholars that I did not know previously. Mm-hmm. I know the people in their life, and I know the relationship they have with those people, but I really didn't have any color to that context mm. it was it was just very binary my understanding i'm starting to realize mm-hmm. and now hearing these these very positive stories about things that are going on in their life it's yeah it's very uplifting and it also gives me a sense of where their head's at where their focus is right now maybe possibly channeling those happy moments those successes into the work that they're doing um here at odyssey and then after we have that conversation, I have alt school uh, loaded on my laptop. I open up their progress and we look through their competencies and we just kind of see across the board, okay, you've got a lot of practicing and emerging here, you've got a lot of meeting, you've got some advanced here, and just really kind of breaking down how they f- they're feeling currently in each of their classes. And we've had some really great conversations. Not only am I learning about the scholars, but I'm also learning about my colleagues and I, I'm getting feedback from them about my colleagues that I can now take to my colleagues and just be like, hey, just so you know, I was having this conversation with so-and-so, and they're feeling a little uh, like they can't be all that productive in class because of X, Y, and Z. And then now that colleague is able to have a conversation and be able to better serve that child in their room, which they would not have been able to to do previously because they just don't have this information. Yeah. And now that I've actually blocked out some time to have that conversation um, with the student, with the scholar, we're all better for it. Definitely. So there has literally been nothing negative to come out of this process 
other than the fact that I wish I'd, I'd done it sooner. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, do, you, do you have similar success with your one-on-one uh, meetings? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I think that given the relationships we have with our advisory in particular, which just as a reminder is a class of 20 to 25 scholars that have been with us now for two years. It's essentially like a homeroom, home base. Right. Um, and we do anything from academic intervention to like fun games to community building to culture building, um, difficult conversations, easy conversations, kind of a catch-all for um, connecting with our young people. And I totally agree. I think that that is really the pinnacle of connecting personal experience with academic needs. And I love the way you framed it with starting with this positive student-generated story of something good going on in their life and kind of using that as a segue into, okay, let's like bring that positivity and that energy. Usually it's something that they've been working hard on that they've been working hard for. And so to carry that momentum into addressing what's going on for you academically and how can I support you um, is a conversation that seems to be much better than waiting until the end of a semester and then saying, you failed this class, you know, we're like, why didn't you turn anything in? It's like, you can kind of prevent those conversations, like really preventative. Mm -hmm. And, um, by taking the time up front to build that relationship and build that awareness and remind them like, Hey, I see you, you're accountable to me. You're accountable to yourself. You're accountable to this community. It's important. Yeah. So we have a few minutes here, but I want to get one final question in that we can both kind of take a shot at answering here. Yeah. Um, thinking ahead to the rest of this year, maybe even beyond the 2019-2020 school year, are there other elements of your practice that you're may- maybe not ready to make some definitive action on or to kind of proactively respond to, but still something that you're kind of thinking about? I know you talked about curiosity and you talked about um, th- that, that element of relationship building and addressing academics. Um, are there any other areas that are kind of speaking to you as things you maybe like to address in the future? Yeah, always. A <laughs> hundred things. Um, one that just kind of percolated, because uh, I think it's really connected, is um, helping to create opportunities for really authentic, like engaged collaboration in class. Mm -hmm. Because if we are feeling much better after these one-on-one conversations with really meaningful questions and like deep probing and not invasive, like we're not asking them to like lay free all the trauma in their lives, but it's like feeling like you know someone more and more deeply enhances the experience of working with them. And if we can be creative about helping our scholars build those relationships with each other, with people that they're not necessarily close to, but are going to be in school together for another two years, two and a half years. Um, I'd love to think about a way to do that. Nice. To fuse their personal lives, their academic lives, their collaborative experiences with like a bit more meaning. Cool. I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm thinking on it. How about you? I, it's been a goal of mine kind of like almost every other year, but I think I just futuristically I need to I need to tackle this more meaningfully and that's reaching out to families mm-hmm. um, I think that there's there's a bit of 
I don't know, I can't, I can't say I speak on behalf of all educators, but it's not the easiest thing to call a parent and, uh, and, and to have a difficult conversation about maybe an area that their son or daughter is struggling in or um, you know, something else that might be presenting a challenge in class actively. You hear these horror stories of parents that just like blow up at you when you're on the phone with them and it's just like but I didn't do anything um, you feel attacked and, and, and those kinds of things and it's not that I have any reservations about making phone calls I just my my drive and desire to make that outreach is not where I want it to be mm. like I, I there are some colleagues that that we have who I talk to and they're just they're like their snap reaction for anything is to make a phone call call home call home call home and like I'm just not there yet I'd like to be there mm-hmm. because I think that that would continue to further deepen my understanding of my scholars and their families and the things that I can do you know just getting a parent on the line is probably the most valuable thing out of that is that's another person to help you come up with ideas Mm -hmm. to address these concerns Mm -hmm. that you have. And so thinking about how do I alter my mindset or approach to reaching out to families to better serve our kids, that that's really what it comes down to. And I think that there's a lot still for me to do with that. So just trying to figure it out. I'm with you. Just trying to get that comfort. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to take this trophy. I'm gonna, i got to tape it somewhere. I have to make it very Obvious. visual. Yeah. Yeah, I'll find some things to put in it. You know, it's small enough you it. could photograph it and then blow up the photograph. That's true. <laughs> and then have true. a picture of your tiny trophy blown up on the wall. That's true. I, I, I can't help but notice you keep putting the word tiny in front of the word trophy. As <laughs> consistently, there's been, we can go back to the tape and I'm and a descriptive person. That's a bad What I, can I say? I admire your that. Your gold trophy. Fellow ELA teacher. <laughs> yeah. Gold trophy. Let's go with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, no, it's, I, it, it was a fun morning and you're a very good sport. Sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for chatting with me about what you're working on. I know. When's like, the last time we had a podcast in the afternoon? This has been nice. I know. It has. I feel very awake. And now I feel very reflective. Good. I want to go write down all these goals. But I guess it's Same. good. Now it's recorded. Yes. So it's a little bit better than just having a, a convo because we know. can look back on it. And maybe in a couple of months we can report back on some tiny steps we've made yes. towards our progress. Let's do it. But until then... Thank you for joining us. We're happy you're here. Uh, This has been the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. Have a wonderful day, folks.